The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. O'Gara with a little kick and there's belief there for Ireland and maybe there's something in this. Maybe the opportunity is there. It is Tommy Moe. Magic. Would you believe that? Two tries, one minute. What a different game it is now. Yes, Tommy Bow, would you believe, is going to be on with Anton Savage tomorrow morning, looking ahead uh, to the game against South Africa tomorrow in Paris. Uh, we are here in the bridge in Ballsbridge as well, looking ahead to that game. And I am with the man who provided uh, the description to that try, Ryan Nugent. Ryan, how are you? Good. I'm in great form. You know what? That, that, that's... Um that followed me around. Actually, I, 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 when I, the first time I yeah, ever, you can put it on your headstone now, right? right if you absolutely. Want. But that one, <laughs> that one in particular, I never. Uh, do you know? I never really met Tommy Bow uh, until actually he retired. I mean, I'd seen him at training sessions, all the rest of it. But any time I'd seen him, I kind of wanted to go in the opposite direction for fear that his whole life had been surrounded by people screaming Tommy Bow at the, at, and you know, you think crying out loud. He doesn't need that in his life, and I'm sure he hates me. Um, and actually, uh, quick story: the best um, when I left. RTE uh, back in 2018 uh, the staff very kindly did a, a, a nice old video of, of some of the highs and lows of the 10 years that I've been there previously as a head of sport and the very last frame of the very last moment in that video was Tommy Bow sitting in his back garden shouting my name oh, brilliant brilliant <laughs> treasure brilliant. Yeah, I'm sure it is so listen for people who are listening though and they, they know you as the, the, the commentator or maybe in head of sport mm. what do you do now? what do I do now? Today? Yeah. Today. What's Ryan Nugent's job? So right now I am part of the senior management team at uh, Premier Sports, in, uh, which is based here in Dublin, but we have a, a channel in Southeast Asia, a uh, sports channel in Southeast Asia. We have obviously Premier Sport in Ireland, which I'm involved in the senior management team there as well. And we have a uh, women's dedicated women's sports channel called W Sport that we are running in about 40-odd territories around the world right now. So it's running in English and French in Sub-Saharan Africa, in South Africa, uh, and also then we just launched in in Portugal, in the Netherlands, in uh, Belgium, and we're going to launch in another couple of cu- countries over the next six to eight months. So, yeah, it's extremely busy. And, and so immersed still in, in the world of sport. Oh, yeah. I mean, is it vocational for you? Do you love it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't really know anything else. I kind of half fell into it by accident in the beginning because, I mean, I, 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 I came from a sporting background and I... I actually, actually, swimming was my background. I, I, I uh, competed at a pretty high level uh, back in the day, uh, and then and I played rugby because I went to Blackrock College, and so all those things combined. Sport was very much part of my DNA, but I was lousy in school uh, in terms of my academics. And uh, <laughs> at, at the end of my academic uh, life in Blackrock, my mother, who at the time was the uh, chief executive of the Sunday Business Post, uh, said to me, "What are you going to do?" And I went, "No idea." And my father was looking at me, and actually to get them off my back. I went and did a broadcast journalism course in Ballyfermot. Yes. And it started the year that commercial radio began in Ireland. And it was like perfect timing. And I loved it. From the day I walked through the door, I loved it. And there were, at the time, loads of jobs available because there was no one else doing them. And the industry kind of exploded here. So I was there on the first day that 98FM opened under Dennis O'Brien. And I started working there. And then I got a little bit of a bit of luck and got a, a gig in RT at the same time. And... 
So it all just worked out. And I, but do I? Am I immersed in it as part of my DNA? Absolutely. And and the commentary. I mean, was that something you? From the Ballyfermot days, could see yourself getting no, into no, no. Pre- presenting is what I wanted to do. Yeah, when I started out, but I think that's what everybody in the broadcasting industry—they'll they'll lie and tell you they don't. They want to be other things, but we, yeah. you know, I think we all wanted to be presenter <laughs> initially, um, and uh, and that opportunity came to me pretty early. But it also gave me a really big land early as well because I started doing some some presenting work for for RT, and then after two years either through my own incompetence or because they changed the show that I was doing at the time, it it stopped. And I thought, this is a really, really risky business to be in in a small country, which is you're at the whim of of maybe a a change of direction of the programme or a producer who doesn't rate you or or there just isn't a gig there. And and early on, I thought that this is not a lifestyle that is going to be very comfortable if I if I keep progressing. And so, at the same time, I got the opportunity to work the other side of the desk in as in production and 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 then in the business side with the rights management. So I kind of was able to straddle that. The commentary came about in '99 because at that time, RT had the rights to the Rugby World Cup in 1999. Yeah, had two commentators, and there were three matches billed for a quarter final day in 1999 and about three months beforehand the then head of sport uh, Tim O'Connor and his deputy Niall Cogley said you're going to have to commentate and I was like this is not something <laughs> I want to do and they kind of made me uh, frankly and and my first ever game was in the World Cup in 99 where I did England and Fiji live on a Wednesday afternoon at about two o'clock and and I was Absolutely petrified, um, and but somehow I got away with it, and and it kind of took yeah. off from there. And from that day, I never wanted to do anything else. So bring me in into, that part of my life. But bring me into the kind of the, the the world of a commentator today and tomorrow in in the build up to this match. So if you were working now tomorrow, sure. commentating uh, uh, on the game, I mean, when does the preparation start? What does it involve? Who are you getting tidbits off? Yeah, I think the I think the preparation. Look, each commentator will tell you a different story, but the pre- preparation is pretty similar in that you're immersed in it. It's not like you go running off and go, I have a match this weekend, so therefore I must start reading about Ireland. Yeah, like, who are these spring yeah, yeah. <laughs> So like, you are immersed in it day to day, and so you're, you're researching all the time because it's part of, of, of what you do. And you're interested you're just in interested it. in it. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, I mean, for me, I figured out again pretty early that there were, that when I had the sheets of notes on ages and caps and and interesting little bits, maybe or not, that you might work into your into your commentary. I found out early that I had to have a, a, a some sort of regime by which I could find notes because one of the very first things in the commentary was I actually knew I had something and I spent ten seconds trying to find where I'd written it down and then yes. realised the moment's gone. You can't say that now. It's gone. Yeah. So so we have I have a little and, and you see it regularly. You see commentators post their notes and they they have it laid out. What it does for me is it. It means I can reach for something immediately. More importantly, I know what I don't have. And when I, I don't go down a road, yes. <laughs> I'm going, okay. I want it. Because I know I don't have it. <laughs> so there's a system there. And, and that system, for me, is uh, the actual filling out of the, of the commentary notes. about a six-hour process that I do the day before and the day of. But again, it's kind of a labour of love and what I enjoy. And the truth of the matter, and I've, I've had this conversation with lots of commentators, you probably look down at your notes maybe 20% of what you've written down you use 
you know, yeah. and 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 because you're like you said, you're immersed in it, and it's part of what you do. So, so for for I, I, the match is on um, is on RT. I think that one's tomorrow, so it'll be Hugh Cal and, and Hugh will be out there and being immersed in it as Dave was last week for for Virgin and and. They'll go through their own little routines, but by and large, by and large, yeah. you're immersed in it and you have your own notes. And whether it's rugby, soccer, or GAA, all commentators pretty much. And, and do you have your own little sources within camp? Maybe you can rely on, you know. Yeah, but you know what? In this day, in this day, there really isn't that much that you're gonna get that isn't out there already. Yeah. That might have been the case back in the in the 80s and 90s when when the other guys were doing it, but but not now. You know, everything is there. The one thing you do miss which I miss right now by not being involved in, in, in the Irish game is when you're away and you're immersed in it and you're going to training every day and you're going to the press conferences and you're around the other journalists you do pick up those little bits and pieces yes. and you can see stuff happening maybe before it happens you'll get a sense of who's likely to start who isn't what the mindset is of the coaching staff but that's because you're immersed in it and and not being immersed in it you miss out on all those little tidbits so so the guys that are doing the commentary will be immersed in that and they'll they'll get all that and, and surely one of the challenges then in commentating unique to rugby is actually trying to interpret what maybe has happened oh my gosh yeah, yeah. absolutely I mean yeah. look it's getting I'm convinced that even the experts don't have a clue sometimes listen I, tweet, I certainly don't I tweeted it the other day like I can't remember what game it was in but I watched a, I watched a, a, a TMO decision and I and I said like I, I've just, I don't understand the law sometimes because to me that looked like a red card it wasn't a red card and we're all supposed to if I can't explain it to, to you yes. the viewer then what chance have we got you know and it is a real problem for the game is that is that level of intricacy and lack of I guess it's lack of consistency is the biggest issue on, on what we see on, on television and what we commentate on and one day it's X and two days later it's Y and that's really really tricky for the game it's a problem for the game I think World Rugby have done a lot to try and address it but it's still not clear it's still not clear and that is something they're going to have to fix yeah there's a real disparity still isn't there yeah. around even head high tackles yeah. and you know kind of adjustment of body position and yeah. all that and one yeah. well we saw an English player get sent off on the first first day and uh, you know or the first first weekend yeah. and, then, and then you saw three or four incidents that you would have felt that, that felt naturally yeah. felt as more significant and they were yellow cards or not dealt with at all so that lack of consistency is, is frustrating but look I still think it's a fabulous game and, and it's hugely engaging and, and, and I think tomorrow's game is, is, is something that a lot of people are looking forward to How do you expect it's going to go? Uh, I've I've got splinters at this point from sitting on the fence. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I normally feel pretty comfortable calling something but for my in my own head Look, I have this theory, well-worn, that no one's been able to completely tell me is nuts, but but hasn't. no one has necessarily agreed with me either. And that's this issue that Ireland have around Rugby World Cup cycles and around Rugby World Cups. And, and, in, and for me, there have been lots of issues over the years that have been well-documented. But I think, in some ways, part of Ireland's greatest asset in a non-Rugby World Cup year is part of its issue in a Rugby World Cup year which is the structure is fabulous for Ireland. The national coach gets a hold of those players and has control of those players and gets more time with those players than any other international coach in a normal year. Yeah. However, when you come to a Rugby World Cup, 
it evens out a little bit. All these players have been with their national coaches, have had full pre-seasons, have done what their national coaches have wanted them to do for the last three to four months, which they wouldn't normally have coming in to international windows, unlike Ireland, where they do have more time. Mm. And I just think that evens Ireland's advantage out that we see in the in the non-World Cup years. Now, there's only... That's just my gut. There's no... There's no... Oh, right. There's no, no, if no one um, disagreed with you, I, I'm absolutely going to rob it myself now. <laughs> expect to hear me parroting that suggestion. But there's no, there's no uh, uh, facts in, uh, around that. It, it's just gut. And, 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 and if you go back and look at our performances over the World Cup year, I think it, it, it adds to the thought that that might be part of it. It's a long-winded way of saying... I'm slightly concerned about tomorrow. I think there's also an emotional and physical investment in tomorrow that worries me for the week weeks after if it goes wrong. Yes. The demons. All told, we just can't afford to lose tomorrow. I think we just can't afford to lose tomorrow. And I think if... Uh, my, my, I have to be honest. My gut tells me we're going to fall just short. I hate to be the one uh. to pour water on people's chips. Well, but... And I will be delighted to be told how wrong I was. Well, listen, uh, Shane Byrne and Lou Fitzgerald and Brent Pope and BJ Botha are all going to be joining me a bit later. (laughs) And I'll pass off that theory as my own. I hope none of them are listening yet. Uh, Ryle, it's been an absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thanks a million. Thank you so much. Ryle Nugent. uh, The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy. With Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.